All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash style. Something I for sure love having in my home is super clean countertops. And I love when it smells good too. So you can bring the vacation vibes to your home with coconut scented Clorox Sentiva. It smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy with a refreshing scent that'll transform your space into a tropical island retreat and give you a powerful clean. No plane ticket required. Unleash your self-expression with the enchanting coconut fragrance of Clorox Sentiva. You can get yours at a nearby retail store, also available in grapefruit or lavender scents. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful thing. Laugh a little more thing. Tight, tighten up your core thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Happy Thursday. Amy here. And before we get into my interview with Jeff, I've got Mary on because we have a fun announcement. Now, next week is going to be our Four Things Christmas gift guide episode that we do together every year. But Mary, tell them what we're doing this year. So we were thinking of fun gifts that people are giving this year. And of course, we're going to have all kinds of ideas. But one that's really popular is giving away like travel or experiences or flights. So we're going to give away a flight, a round trip flight anywhere in the U.S., (laughs) Yeah. Contiguous U.S. (laughs) We have to get the proper legal jargon so that y'all understand. But yeah, it doesn't include Hawaii or Alaska. But yeah, round trip Mm -hmm. flight. And it starts today on our Instagram account. So make sure you are following at the shop forward and at shop espoir. I run that account. And then my personal Instagram, I'll be posting about it there, which is Radio Amy. But that's where you're going to enter is in Instagram stories. We have a graphic that we've made that explains every single thing that you need to do to nominate someone to win this flight. You screenshot it, fill in the blanks. We made it super easy. And then you repost it in your Instagram stories. Make sure you tag us. 
Again, that's on the instructions so that we see it. And then from there, we will pick a recipient in the next week that will be featured. We'll be calling the person and they will be in next week's gift guide episode, hearing for the first time that they have just won a flight. So if you have a friend or a family member or a coworker that you know would love to win a round trip flight and have that experience to go, I don't know, somewhere they've never been or to see a family member, but they can't afford to get there, whatever the case may be. This is why we wanted to do it. We wanted to give away a cool experience. So nominate anybody in your life that you think would want this. And then Mary, what do people need to do if they're private on Instagram? So yeah, if you're private, just post it in your stories like normal and then screenshot your post and DM it to one of us so that we can see it. Yeah. And then make sure you're listening to next Thursday's Four Things Gift Guide episode. It'll be out Thursday, November 11th. Again, that's when we'll be announcing the winner and heads up in that episode. We'll be giving you a lot of gift ideas from the Shot Forward and Espoir that give back to Haiti and other various causes. We're going to be hearing from people that run organizations that we donate to you so you can know the impact and how your gift helped pay it forward. But we're also going to be giving other gift ideas that we just personally like. So if you're shopping for different types of people in your life, maybe that will be a benefit to you. And then quickly, we'll just be including some other fun giveaways. That's all I'm going to say now. No details, but you know if we're giving away a flight now that these other giveaways are also going to be amazing. So you do not want to miss next week's gift guide episode. So we will see you then. Mary, thank you for joining me in this quick little intro. Yeah, I'm so excited for the gift guide. Yeah. Okay, so Mary will be back next week. And for now, here is my chat with Jefferson Bethke. Okay, so this chat is long overdue. Jeff Bethke's on the podcast today. And you had a book that came out early September called Take Back Your Family, but it's not your first book. You're a New York Times bestseller. I first learned of you years ago when you went viral on YouTube. And some people listening right now, in case you're not familiar, you might remember, but maybe don't associate the name with Why I Hate Religion, But Love Jesus. And Mm -hmm. it was this video that just had millions and millions of views in a matter of days. Since I've never gotten to officially talk to you about that, we're definitely getting into your book because it's right up my alley of like where I need to be going with my family. But you're one of the first people that experienced that viral type thing. I mean, people go viral on TikTok every day in a way. But back when you went viral on YouTube, that was not the norm. 100%. So what's well, funny, even hearing you talk, it's like, I feel like I'm like an old dad about with, like, with my answer. Like I'm reflecting on some old age during like World War II. <laughs> it's like 10 years ago. And I'm still, I'm only 32. So it does, even though I'm young, I do feel like there's, I've been in the internet game so long, it feels weird to think back on it. But you're right. Like back then, and this is just, you know, whether you want to call it God's providence, whether you want to call it luck of the, luck of the Irish, I don't know, fun Disney movie, by the way. Um, but I would say, yeah, it was, it was, it definitely was meteor back then. Meaning when it happened to someone, quote unquote, it was life changing. Now it still is amazing. But like when, if someone gets a couple million views on TikTok, that's not changing their life for good or for bad, by the way, it was life changing and it was accidental. Like I wasn't trying for it. We weren't trying to do that. I was making videos because that's just what millennials do. They breathe and they make videos and Gen Z now is that times 10. But yeah, it was, it changed our life for good or for bad. I don't, I don't ever want to go back and do it again. That's one thing that people don't really realize is like, when you have that much of a concentrated spotlight on you, like I did not like what that did to my soul. I didn't like what that did to my, my heart, my emotions. So I don't wish I could replay it or redo it, but I'm very grateful now uh, for the opportunities it's given that we've been able to lean into. But yeah, that's, you kind of scared me PTSD by bringing it up. I'm joking. Oh, I'm joking. Definitely, I'm joking. definitely <laughs> didn't mean to do that. I mean, that is interesting though, because 
you know, I work with people that they would give for any of my listeners that, I mean, this is the podcast, but my main job is the Bobby Bone Show and Lunchbox is a co-host on there. And he would like give anything to go viral. He's been trying to go viral <laughs> since viral was a thing. Same thing with the lottery. It's like, he's always has wanted to live the lottery, but similarly to that, I know it's not exactly the same thing, but you think it's awesome. But then when it happens to you, I mean, that's why there's a show of like the lottery ruined my life or something. Almost, yeah. Almost everyone goes broke. Almost everyone goes broke. Yeah. The relationships get, you know, get trashed and it's difficult and it's, yeah, it, it has implications that are, that are no one is expecting. And so that's kind of the dark side of it for sure. And so since that video, I mean, uh, years have passed, you've written yeah. books, you've got a wife, you have kids, you live in mm -hmm. Maui, which we're, we're all very jealous that you're, you're living <laughs> in the mountains. Someone's got to live here, right? Yes. The mountains of Maui. So mm -hmm. before we chat about your book, I would love to do a little gratitude icebreaker with you and hear four things that you are thankful for. Okay. I would like to know a book that you're thankful for. It can't be one of your own. <laughs> I'll give two books. Uh, I mean, I'm a book guy. I, I love books. So this, that's actually a very difficult question. But a two that jumped out to my head, I'll give kind of a more spiritual living one for those interested in that. And then a kind of a family business one that has, has really impacted my life. Um, so the first one, my buddy, John Mark Comer, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Brilliant book. Everyone needs to read that book. That book is basically the individual version of everything that we're talking about here of like, if you want to learn with practical steps, how to slow down, how to make your heart not feel at this pace of anxiousness and hurry. You know, it's a, it's a super incredible book. So Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Another book is Culture Code by, I think the guy's name is Daniel Coyle. It's a business book, but it's kind of a Malcolm Gladwell-y, you know what I mean? Like jumping around an interesting pop psychology book on what makes teams have really strong cultures. It's all mm -hmm. business oriented, but I read that book and it was the best parenting book I've ever read. Had nothing to do with parenting the best parenting book I've ever read. So I would say those two books for sure. Oh, it's funny you mentioned Malcolm Gladwell. I'm reading Talking to Strangers right now. It's great. I like it. Do you like it? So far, I really yeah. like it. I mean, it's very interesting. Yeah. I'm only I'm about halfway done. Yeah. So I'm reading that in between more therapy yes. type yes. books, but it still is interesting and fascinating how our minds <laughs> mm. work. I would love to hear from you a TV show that you're thankful for. Oh, that's tough. And I'm not going to sound, I'm not trying to sound extra spiritual here, but I like don't watch any TV, but I watch a bunch of YouTube. So I'm not trying to, I'm also not like, I watch a ton of YouTube. Uh, so, but, so I'd have to think of like, well, then, what about a movie? Okay. Okay. That's great. I just went and okay. saw Dune. Dune is sick. What Dune, is that? It's the new, huge, massive blockbuster that just came out like three days ago with like oh. Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya. <laughs> you know, it's, it's basically that it's, it's a science fiction kind of like a, a star wars -y set on a different planet that's one of those it's one of those movies where you have to see it in a theater like the sound design and like oof, that movie was sick so dune highly recommend okay can't believe i haven't heard of it but honestly <laughs> i probably because i'm watching too much tv yes yes <laughs> but dune okay noted is that something we can take the kids to is it something we can do as a family no, no oh. even Alyssa, it's it's kind of dark it's kind of like uh <laughs> it's almost like star wars but like one rating one rating up it's like a little bloody little bloody oh, you were giving us family <laughs> tips here just kidding. Okay. Uh, what about whatever social platform you're on the most? Maybe for you, it's mm. YouTube. But normally I ask like an Instagram follow that you're thankful for because Ooh, yeah. I feel Instagram's like- my favorite. Mm -hmm. Oh, it is your favorite? Okay, good. So we'll, we'll stick with that. But I feel like the internet at times gets such a bad rap and rightfully so. There's horrible things mm -hmm. on all the platforms if you see the negative. But I- I feel like it's connected me with a lot of people, a lot of positive mm -hmm. people where I'm scrolling through my feed that I am encouraged by and influenced by in a positive way. Yeah. So 
who is that for you? That's funny. I, I, the, the three names that popped in my head are all like powerhouse women. So, but, uh, and you, you probably love, it. love them and they're all good friends too, but I think they just, they just, they're, they, they, they exemplify so well online of just like truth, encouragement. Uh, I would say Annie Downs. She's amazing. Um, I would say Jenny Allen and I would say Christine Kane. I don't know why I just jumped to those three, but those are three really f- fun follows for me. And like, I know whenever I'm going to see any of their stuff online, I'm going to leave with either a laugh or an encouragement. None of the kind of the BS and crap that always enters into social media. You know what I mean? Like Christine Kane preaches the fire. Jenny Allen is just like tons of truth. And then Annie is just like such an amazing, like she, she exemplifies life so well um, and how to live that I think, yeah, those three are fun follows. Annie and Jenny have both come on the podcast before. And so They're amazing. if y'all haven't heard those episodes, I recommend you going back to find those. Annie's been on a couple of times. I live in Nashville and she does too. So she's obviously amazing. she's just, yeah, one of the best positive, happy space, yeah. but, but also very real, like not, you're going to get yes. the, all the sides. And I just love her honesty and yeah. vulnerability and all of that. Okay. I want to know what drink you are thankful for. Ooh. Cause like it's fall time. So I don't know yes. if you're a pumpkin spice latte kind of guy or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I do love drinks in general, but I'm also like, once I get my routine. So if it's a coffee shop, I definitely have to have like any type of oat milk, vanilla latte. So any place I always get oat milk, vanilla latte. Um, if it's nighttime, I'm an old fashioned guy. I love bourbon. So I, I, I love an old fashioned when friends are over and stuff like that. That's about it, actually. And besides that, it's just water. I don't think I drink. I don't drink orange juice. I don't drink lemon. I don't drink juices. Yeah, I'd say like coffee, a good fancy hipster coffee, and then like an old fashioned. Those are my my go tos. Those drinks definitely go with you, for sure. <laughs> they fit like your it. vibe. Do you like rum at all? Yeah, I do. Uh huh. Okay, so there's this new rum out. I don't know the company or anything, but it's infused with like a ghost pepper, and oh. it's supposed to be. Have you tried it? No. It sounds too spicy. At the time that we're recording this, I have not, but on the Bobby Bone Show, we have a wheel that yes. we spin. And if it lands on your name, you have to take a shot of, of that it. stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, so, no, thanks. Mm-mm. Okay. I just didn't know next time you had family over, if you wanted to bust out the wheel and be like, hey. Yes. Well, here's my thing. So the reason I, I had such a, a bad reaction is I can't do, I can't even do like table pepper, like, you know, salt and pepper, pepper is too spicy for me. So I have a feeling that would be too spicy for me. So you don't do jalapenos? No, I don't, I can't do spice. Like I don't want anything to me. I don't, and I don't understand how people like it. Spice is like, all it does is kill all the flavor. Like I can't taste anything because my mouth just got put on fire. Wait, where I were know? you born and raised? Seattle, Washington, which is not a very spicy place. Yeah. See, I'm from Texas. So I am looking at you yes. like you're crazy right now. I know it's like in your so, blood. Yeah. Well, all the kids these days, they're very into Taki, which is yeah. a spicy rolled like up Cheeto. like Dorito yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And th- the school nurse actually called me today because my daughter went in there because she had too much Taki. <laughs> <laughs> like she, so, hey, she's, starting to, she's starting to have Taki in her bloodstream. You need to come check. Oh, no. It literally was like, if she comes back one more time, we're going to need you to come pick her up from school. And I'm like, and the reason is because she had too much Taki. I'm about to have to disrupt my work yes. day yes. <laughs> to go yes. pick up my daughter. Of a spicy chip. Because of talky, but I mean, that's so popular with kids these days. Yes. So parents, if you're trying to just pick your kids up from school and bond over a snack, I just, recommend yes. surprising them with talky. That's they amazing. Love you. Yeah. All right. I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store, for the entire month of May. 
you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, so I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have, uh, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14-karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories, and they cut out the cost of the middleman, and they pass the savings on to us So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover up maxi dress. that will be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. It could retail for $148. So that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like I want research. I want to know like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin. The results, well, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. And as a woman, I want healthy vitamin D levels and omega-3 levels. And all I got to do is take my Ritual Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin every morning. I take them on an empty stomach, but sometimes if I forget, I may take them in the afternoon. It's really up to you when you want to take them. There's nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules. And what the delay release capsules does for us is it optimizes our body's absorption of these nutrients. It's gentle on the empty stomach. Like I said, I can take it first thing in the morning and I'm totally fine. And with a minty essence in every bottle, it actually makes taking your vitamins enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual is essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash four things. Start ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. 
That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. Let's talk about Take Back Your Family and why this book was important for you to put out there. And I'm just going to go and tell you out of the gate that we, by we, I mean me and my family, we are who you are speaking to. I feel (laughs) like we're going from soccer games, basketball practice, school, tutoring, me trying to get certain work things done. We're all in therapy. These appointments, Mm -hmm. like everything trumps family time or meal time around the table. You can preach to me now. <laughs> Best setup ever. You're not alone. That's that's what the book's too. And so that's actually the first couple of chapters of my book try to trace. Um, you know, if, if anyone's read any of my books, I do. I, I have a very consistent style now, where like I I like digging into like kind of the history and like how did we get here, that kind of stuff. The beginning chapters of every book I've written. And yeah, and this one I wanted to kind of dive into to hopefully hopefully alleviate what you just talked about, but also alleviate kind of the shame and guilt that comes with it. A lot of us, our families and ours included, which I talked about in the book, gets in, like you just, you kind of get to this place where you're like, what am I doing? Like, why are we, why are we running around with like, like chickens with our heads cut off? What are we trying to build? You know, you kind of get to these, these questions. And so I was, I traced in the book how a lot of movements have happened the couple, the last couple hundred years that actually pushed us into that, right? So one of them would be the industrial revolution where, you know, we can't go back now, right? Like we're not going to go to agrarian society, but it is nice to know how that affected us in the sense of, yeah, like for thousands of years before the industrial revolution, the home was actually the center of economic activity. So think about that, right? Like the home was the center, right? You were either a bread-making family, you were a blacksmith family, you were an agrarian, agricultural family, et cetera. So the economic hub of the family was centered actually at like the dinner table with the family team. Now that has massive implications for how then you're going to communicate on your team and how the kids are going to work together, et cetera, right? Meaning when the economic hub is at the center, you have to work as a team because you have to go do the crops. You have to go, you know, uh, make the iron ore and all these different types of things or, or take the ore and make the iron and stuff. But then the industrial revolution, what it did is it sucked out the father, right? And then went and put him in a warehouse um, where he had to work, you know, nine, 10 hours a day on an assembly line. And that what that did is that, that kind of vacuumed out the heart of the economic activity of the family, right? Um, yeah. And then you get, and then you, and then you fast forward to the, the 1940s, 1950s, where then you get the creation of this nuclear family, which again, if you were to go to 1800 and tell someone, hey, when I say the word family, what do you think of? Most people then would have thought of 24 to 28 people. They would have thought of about three or four generations. And they would have had, again, the center of economic activity in the home. And they probably would have had swirling around that home, aunts, uncles, grandparents, even kind of like employees. Like there was always usually employees kind of swirling around a hub of a home. Now, if you say the word family, most people think of mom, dad, two kids. Now in 2021, you probably even say that, probably don't even think that. But what I'm saying is that's a different picture. So I kind of tried to set up all these in the first couple of chapters and then just say like, what, what happened? Why is that? And then offer some solutions. But all that to say, long story short, I affirm how you feel. I think all of us feel that way, but there's actually been a couple of things that have kind of nudged us there on purpose. Yeah. And I know you went back to the 1800s, but also in the West, we operate completely different than if you've done some traveling or like I've spent time in Kenya and my kids are from Haiti. And I mean, those are very different places, but where you see Mm -hmm. a different example of like how people are living and everyone, how they operate and the aunts and the uncles and all the kids and the home and what it's like, because yeah, in 2021, some parts of the world are still operating 
in a multi-generational operation. That's a great point. Yes. Well, well, because one of the common critiques when, because we've been doing stuff on family for years with our mentors, like we're not, we're not some huge, you know, pontificating sages by any means. We, we kind of are under this context of an idea of like a whole nother, a group and a team of people. But, um, but yes, as we've talked about it, you know, one of the biggest critiques, especially from kind of like Western people is, oh, well, that's easy for you to say, like, you know what I mean? Like basically like only people with privilege and wealth and kind of can kind of live like that when it's actually the opposite. You just mentioned yeah. it. It's actually the opposite. So David Brooks argues this in his Atlantic article last year called the, um, the end of the nuclear family, where only rich people can do the nuclear family. Right. So like, like lower income socioeconomic status, people have to live multi-generationally, which is why you see it in third world countries which is why you see it in other contexts. So the West, we are this weird place where you can track this again, post-World War II, we became the richest country almost in you know, all of human history. The level, that was where we got creation of the middle class. That was where all these things, like the level of prosperity post-World War II was just insane. And what it did is because the wealth uh, at the macro level for generally everyone was so big, then we had enough resources to say, I don't need anyone anymore. I don't need my grandma and grandpa. I don't need this community. I don't need these people, right? And so that's a fascinating thing that I don't think people re- wrestle with is that the people live multi-generationally because they need each other, but there's actually a blessing in that where we all need that. Well, I'm going to read a quote okay. about the book. Hopefully it's a good one. Uh-oh. I, this is something you said, so okay. I, I assume it's good. <laughs> Today's families are frantically running themselves ragged, doing everything they can think of to set their children up for the highest levels of success, rarely mm. eating peaceful meals at home together. And the fruit of all of this is not good. Families are stressed out, burned out and would Mm. hardly describe their lives as fulfilling. And I feel this at my core, as I mentioned to you earlier, I'm sure a lot of other moms or dads Mm -hmm. listening right now, or maybe even just aunts, uncles, siblings, Mm -hmm. maybe you don't have kids yourself, but you're feeling this disconnect from your family. And I have lost both of my parents. Mm. So I don't have grandparents. And my mom passed away in 2014. My dad died this year. Mm. And I'm like... Okay. And we adopted two kids. Those are, we don't, we no biological children. We've got two adopted kids that don't really even understand the concept of family. And yet we've brought them into this way Western society Mm -hmm. operates. And we're trying to show them this is what family is. Mm -hmm. And we're here for you. We love you so they can feel safe and all the things. But yet we're so dang busy all the time that it's hard to get those moments. Like you're saying, we're running ragged and we're not really living. Yeah. And so it's like, we're trying to be intentional with game night. Yeah. I love that. Or game day, whatever that looks like, different family activities together. My heart hurts that like my kids don't have that whole grandparent type thing. Cause I remember time with my grandma so much. Totally. So what do you say to families that don't have the the multi-generational or they've adopted older kids and they're trying to create this feeling of family. And I'm struggling with them feeling that connection because they're just kind of like, eh, y'all brought us together. We're not really siblings. Like a fear that I have is that they're not going to feel that family connection. Both my parents were very mm. sick when they died. My sister and I were their caretakers. So I fear that one day I'm going to get old and sick. And because my mm. kids aren't as bonded to me, as I was to my parents, yeah, they're not going to take care of me when I'm old and sick. 
No, I think that's a genuine fear, by the way. I don't think, I think that's a normal fear. Um, and there's a lot of actual research and stats to support that there's a lot of old senior citizens right now that that is actually happening. So that, yeah, there's this loss, there's this loss of connection, right? There's this loss of relationship. I think that's really serious. But I think usually people that are even asking that question usually are already living so intentionally and, and living in it. A couple of things I would say. One, even about your parents, I talk about in the book, the real power of storytelling. Like storytelling is actually how we, like that's how generations communicate. That's how generations pass on wisdom. It's how generations passed on, you know? And so even if someone has passed away, if they are, if they are kind of front and center per se in the story of the family, that's actually really dramatic and really helpful. Um, you know, like kind of like things that have been learned, things that like the way they were like, the way in which they operated, you know, your kids should be able to, you know, they should almost be able to take a test on their grandparents that maybe they didn't have that much time with and they should be able to ace it is what I'm saying, right? And that actually has really deep implications where there's a lot of psychological and sociological research where when we are connected to the story of the generations, even if someone isn't alive, it's really powerful, right? It's really, really powerful on how it makes us live. Um, there's even crazy stats on, you know, how people perform in life based on when they have a longer connection to uh, the story. So I would say that, and then number two, I think to your point, I think that's a real thing, but it's, but what I talk about in the book is this metaphor of a coach and a babysitter, right? So in the West, we are trained, our systems train us because we're consumer oriented, because we so believe in, you know, the Western ideal is I just want to feel the best I can feel, look the best I can look and kind of like have all the things that I want. Like the Western ideal is just like meeting desires. That's essentially what the Western gospel and good news is. And so what that does, that creates us to be a lot of consumers. Like we just consume. And so in families, that's a really, that's really toxic because what it does is it creates a dynamic where instead of a team working together, everyone's subtle enemies with each other, trying to get more resources from the other person. Meaning the whole thing is a tug of war of resources, right? And that's even when you get into the parent dynamic, right? That's when you even get into the spouse and the, the spouse is arguing about who's going to work and stay home. Like that's a resource tug of war question, but teams don't operate like that. Teams don't operate like that at all. Teams actually say, okay, how are we going to use my particular giftings, my particular wirings to support this team and go on mission with each other, right? Now, some people will hear that and be like, well, does that mean just all the individuals get squashed and quashed? No, right? That's, that's fascism, by the way. That's not team, right? Like, you know, the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry is the MVP, meaning he is, a, he is the best version of himself because he's in a context of a team that is pursuing a mission, right? That he fits perfectly into. So same with families, right? And so one way to really connect kids is to constantly be putting situations in the family where they're having to depend on each other, where they're having to, you know, especially with <clears throat> their strengths and weaknesses, be like, oh, I know if I put these two kids together or these three kids together in this situation, they're gonna really have to rely on this kid's leadership. Oh man, they're gonna really have to rely on this kid's emotional sensitivity. Oh man, they're gonna really have to rely on this kid's math skills. I don't know, right? And you do that over 20 years and you, that's a strong team. But again, we create these dynamics where we don't need to need each other. We're actually trying to purposely do that. We're trying to make it where they don't ever, we, we want to give our kids and our families so much stuff that they don't need to need anyone. Well, it's like, well, I want to do the opposite. I want everyone to need to need everyone. So then the last thing I'll say is that coach babysitter metaphor is a really helpful metaphor for me as I think through my parenting and how we try to do this. Okay. So I'm like, you know, a lot of us, we want to just be good babysitters. When, when the parents come home, how do you know if the babysitter was successful or not? right? There's pretty much two things. The kid's still alive and, they had, <laughs> and, and, and the kid was safe, meaning like kind of secure and safe. That's the highest ideal for a lot of Western parents. We, oh, we think about our families in the sense of like, oh, I only want to make it a safe, great environment for our kids. 
Now yeah. that is, that is necessary, by the way. I'm not saying that's not, that is necessary, but a coach that's like one of the 15 things on the checklist, right? Like, and at some level, sometimes you, sometimes a coach pushes the kids just a little so much where maybe the safety conversation is like, Oh, I just, because why? Because the goal there is you want them to grow. A coach's job is not to kind of like protect them in the present. A coach's job is to take them somewhere in the future. So that's a radically different framework, right? Where a babysitter is like, I just want to keep you safe right now. A coach is like, I want us to win the championship or I want you to get drafted or I see who you are that you aren't quite there yet. So we're going to train. We're going to work together. And, and, and by the way, I feel the pressure even when I say that because a coach, you already know with that word, that's a lot more work. I have to, I have to be able to be present. I have to be able to be home. I have to be intentional to be able to coach my kids because I can easily giving them, give them a babysitter environment. Now, especially in the dad context, a lot of dads have that classic, you know, sitcom dad. Like I just provide for my kids and I'm not really I'm just a distant at home, whatever. That's the babysitter mentality. But a coach is like, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to emotionally get in there. What's going on? How are you doing? What's, you know what I mean? And so I, I don't want to believe that point too much, but hopefully that gives kind of fodder for what you're saying. I don't think you're saying it too much because I think it's a excellent analogy that mm -hmm. can resonate with a lot of people. And that's very clear of like, what role do you want to have? Do you yeah. want to be a babysitter or do you want mm -hmm. to be a coach? And I would say that we're all guilty of falling into the babysitter role yeah. for sure. Yeah. Especially as an adopted mom, there's raising kids is challenging no matter what. Yeah. There's just a different set of challenges in if you're a foster parent or 100%. you've adopted. And, you know, sometimes it is like it's it can be taxing, but then it's like, oh, you know, yes, we chose this and we wanted this and we have to want more for our family instead mm. of just checking that box of like, okay, they made it to 18. There yeah. they go. We weren't given that that team like mentality growing up. Yeah. And then so we end up going another generation and another family just raising it the exact same way. So that's why I like the title of your book, too, because it's like take back your family. Yeah, you can have ownership. Because here's the thing. No one sacrifices anything for family, but they sacrifice everything else. And what I mean by that is like, you know, people move across the country for jobs, but then you were to ask them like, you know, for family, like, eh, no, no thanks, right? Or like schedule, right? Like schedule, that's the worst one. It's like basically like, like no one is ever willing to put a stake in the ground for their family time. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, thank you for the invite. Thank you for the invite. But sorry, Thursday at 6 p.m., that is untouchable family time, like untouchable. Now people would move all, all day, every day for work, right? You know what I mean? Because because again, there's these weird cultural pressures that none of us are trying to actively do, but it puts family on like the farthest back row of the bus. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, and that's just detrimental. That that's that that does not take your family to a healthy spot. And and another thing I'll say with the team analogy is it's not natural to think of a family as a team because of the water we're swimming in in the West. All of us live in some type of team. So that's why I always tell dads is like, hey, you're actually a really good coach. And you are very good at knowing how to build a team. You just do that at your work 24 seven and you do it zero at home, right? So like transfer the skill. Don't think of a new skill, just transfer the skill. Meaning like we're all building someone's team and that usually the family team just gets left on the bench and never gets to do anything. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good call out right there. I felt that the moving your schedule for work, but mm. but not like family is kind of- Well, we feel guilty. We're kind of like- The bottom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why, but I, 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 we feel that too. Yeah, work calls, we jump, family calls, and we're like, oh, we'll just reschedule that. <laughs> exactly, nailed it. And so we just have to be intentional about setting those boundaries. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have for <laughs> families that are dealing with, um, speaking of sports, it's the sports yeah. analogy that yeah. you have there, but literally sports get in the way of so much. Yeah, 100%. 
So this is where my hot take comes in. So people might not love me after this one. And, and, and I'm coming from my own context. So let me give you my own context. I was a kid who played baseball from age four to 21, played in at a collegiate level. So basically the highest level except for professional, 17 years of my life out of the first 21 years of my life, probably at age 10 is when it started turning into every single weekend. Practices probably four times a week. No, no summers off because that's actually when it's busiest. Then you got the school season, then you got fall. That was my life, okay? Now, my hot take is for 95% of people, you are wasting your time and you are crushing your family for 95% of people. Now, can your kids still play sports? Yes, but why? My question is, why would you want to orbit, orbit your entire life? Your entire, and, and then once you have four or five kids, it's nearly impossible, by the way, to have any semblance of sanity if you're trying to shuttle everyone. Why would you want to orbit your entire life there's usually two reasons that come up, by the way, but why would you want to orbit your entire life around this mechanism just to, just to sacrifice everything? I mean, like everything is on that altar. We are going to dictate our schedule around that. We're going to dictate our meals around that. We're going to dictate our finances around that so we can afford it. We're going to date like, why, why are you making such a massive sacrifice for that? Two reasons usually come up. One is the, I want him to play professional or blah, 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 you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Let me just be honest. When I was age (laughs) nine, when I was age nine, I knew who on my team was probably going to have that shot and who wasn't everyone does and and by the way it's 0.00001 percent so like that's just like even collegiate like even like that is that is like one percent of like the league your kid is in at age 12 not your team (laughs) there's probably zero kids on the team that are going to do that and maybe one in the league might so that that first of all is like that's just unrealistic okay the second one is most people say well sports teach them a lot of things you know teamwork relationships socialization etc I 100% agree, but there's other places you can get all of those things without that level of sacrifice. Or you can just dictate it in a way where it doesn't have to be that competitive. So we know a lot of families that are experimenting with this. Like, and th- this just shows you how bad our culture is, right? So like, I, I had a friend where he was wrestling with this. Like, man, uh, his daughter's really into dance. And was like, man, just like she's at the age now where they just want everything. They want all of our time, our schedule, our money, right? And so he was like, you know what I'm going to do? Like, she loves to dance. She loves to dance. She, you know, and they got to the level where like, it was more about like the girl just felt empowered to dance. But like, she knew that at that level, I'm not, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life, but I really want to spend my, you know, a good chunk of my life on it. So he was like, I need to find a place where she can only come twice a week or a practice is only like, cause we can't do the five days a week. We can't like, or else our whole family will sacrifice that. Right. So he started calling around to like gyms. It took him like 15 different gyms. No, he would call by the way. And he would say, Hey, how long do you have to, you know, just someone have to practice. They would usually say like, at this age, it's every day. You have to be here every day after school. Okay. So then he would say, can she just come twice a week? Um, well, no. You know what I mean? He goes, what if I pay you full price? What if I pay, <laughs> what if I pay everything you want me to pay, but I only get to, she only gets to come twice. And they still said, no, it took them 15 calls for someone to actually agree to a full price payment <laughs> and tw- only coming like twice a week. So that just shows you like, there is something in the spirit of our air that is like, what's kind of competitive sports that could be, you know, to use religious language, a little idolatrous, you know, a little like just, yeah, I don't know, unhealthy. So I would say, yeah, you got to attack it. You got to sit down and be realistic and sober. Can we do this? Does it completely capture our entire life at the expense of three or four or five other good things? And is it healthy for our team and our family? And if you can answer yes to those, we know families that do that. We know families actually were like, they're the baseball family. And like, that is their mission. And they actually crush it because they put language on it. Like we all go together. 
We all travel together. We all sit like, you know what I mean? But they've owned the identity of it rather than just kind of being like, you know, floating in air about it. Yeah. It just seems like sometimes we just bow down to it and surrender because that seems easier, but we pay for we pay for it. Yeah. It takes so much re- work to resist. Yes. It's not easier because we're running ragged and we're not living a full life, mm-hmm. but in the moment, it's just easier to surrender yeah. to this is what society says, yes. how we're supposed to be parenting. So take all my money and all my time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. As long as it makes it, I don't have to have conflict. I was uh, thinking back on you mentioning storytelling, especially mm-hmm. with the older people in your family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I guess it's great because I do have stories from my parents that I can pass along to my kids. And then maybe from their birth parents, when they get time with them yes. later, we can learn more and they can still have that connection to their their family in Haiti and their yeah. culture. And I think that that's super important too. But for those listening that still have grandparents mm. alive or parents, how do you recommend they preserve those stories? Because I'm sure you being a, a YouTuber and all the things that, that you have some ideas. I'm going to make a little mini documentary at, at some point. Yeah, yeah. A couple of things. Well, one, first of all, one, one thing I do want to add even to you know your situation, a lot of people's situation, whether the, the older generation is, is gone at some point now, is there's also other people too, like, right? There's like, another way to think about it is like, who, who's the wisdom-like sages in our community that we want to kind of link arms with, not just for our family story, but also just to, in, just to um, impact our kids, right? So, I, so even in our life, it wouldn't just be our parents. There's a lot of people who are like, man, this is a really sober, wise voice. We want them over for dinner. We want to ask them questions. We want the kids to ask them questions, right? And so it's crazy when you do that on and on and on. One tip I always tell people is because sometimes people feel pressure. They don't know what to ask, whatever. Just do a show and tell. And it's funny, by the way, how the older generation will just, they love this because the older generations in our society, they don't get put on the seat of honor very much. They kind of get the back burner. Like they're not very, you know what I mean? Um, And so when you put them on the seat of honor without like them having to like teach something, but just commune, just talk from their heart. It's really powerful. And we've seen a lot of people where like they really come alive. Like the older generation comes alive when you ask them to do that. So we do this thing every Friday night during our Sabbath dinner, where we're kind of about to enter into a day of rest. We start with a big dinner. We have Alyssa's parents over because they live here. My parents live in Washington and we just do a show and tell. So I ask them, bring one thing, bring one thing that just is like a story jump off point from any moment in the last 60 years of your life. Right. So it's the, the, the boundaries are so big that like, it's very easy to think of something. So like, you know, she, like Alyssa's mom will bring like she, the last couple ones she brought was like her cheerleading, uh, like what do you call those letterman's jacket patch. So it was just like a little patch that had like, I can't remember the symbols, but it was her high school. Boom. She brought that. She told the story about high school and cheerleading and what she learned, you know what I mean? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, one week she brought their wedding cake topper. So like, you know, I don't even know how she still had that, but the little figurine from that was on top of their cake. Talk about the wind, blah, blah, blah. Right. And when you do that over 20 years, it's insane how impactful that is. And by the way, for those listening, kids just eat that up. Like I, I speak less on our Friday night dinners than I ever speak like ever in my life, because I just like, I just sit back and it's just basically the kids just, well, what about, what about, tell me, you know, like they just, they eat it up. It's like a movie almost, you know what I mean? And it's very easy to also do that. So I would say that is just show and tell. And just think of anything that kind of is a jumping off point. One cheap trick or hack I would tell people is there's an Amazon journal called, I think it's called just the grandfather's journal and grandmother's journal. And it has like a thousand questions in there with blank space. And over the years, we just ask them a question and write down the answer. So then again, how cool would that be in 20 years, we have a journal full of like, and the questions are so broad. There's a thousand. It's like, you know, there's, there's section on spirituality, there's section on just like Christmas and like, here's all your Christmas. Like when you were 10 years old, what's a present you remember, right? What's your favorite Christmas tradition? Like, it's just the most exhaustive book ever. So that's another easy one. 
Um, and then, yeah, even though you, I joked about it, I would say, man, we're in an age of cameras. We're in an age of videos. Like ask your, your parents questions and take videos of it. So I, I know one family who they, the kids, by the way, because they were, they were teenagers. They're getting all Gen Z into videos, blah, blah, blah. They made a little documentary about their grandparents. And then one of the grandparents passed away like two months after that unexpectedly. And they were like, man, that is one of the biggest gifts they have is that little 20 minute video that the teenage kids made, especially with, you know, that they keep rewatching for the grandpa's, you know, memory and stuff like that. So it's like, just lean into that, just capture, capture, capture. And there's a billion different ways to do it, but it's fun. And it's crazy. You'll see how much it really is a really potent device and tool for a family. Oh man, that stuff sounds special. And yeah, I mean, even though I can't do show and tell with like my dad or my mom, mm-hmm. I still love that idea for just, you know, my family sitting around the table, even the yes. kids bringing a show and tell, getting them. You guys can do it. Yeah. You can think of yeah. yes. conversation mm-hmm. and anything you can get her do to get yeah. your kids talking about stuff yeah. that's like really important. And to your point, family is important. Yes. One thing I'll add there too, is I talk about in the book is businesses do this really well and they do it on purpose because they know they'll get their employees to stay on the team longer. So you walk into most Chick-fil-A's by the way, and and you go on the wall by the bathroom and what's usually happening right there. There's usually like this little, like kind of like a map, right? They'd be like 1950. Yeah, there we go. That's 1954. Dan, Kathy, you know, true. Kathy did this crazy 1967. And it's got pictures. It's got little paragraphs and it tracks. Now that's not just because that's cute. They know when they put that over 3,000 locations and also when they teach it to their employees in the onboarding process, story is like the glue. It's like this, it's this glue that's like, oh, I believe now. I believe in this company. I believe in this mission. I believe in this team. So it's not just to like be cute and quaint, but it actually is a massively powerful tool to make a team stronger. Love it. All this stuff is brilliant. And thank you so much for coming on to talk about Take Back Your Family. I am linking the book in the show notes. So it's super easy for people to find. And they can also find you on Instagram. Yes. uh, Jefferson Bethke, B-E-T-H-K-E. And I mean, you're also all over YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Website is jeffandalissa.com. You have all the things, but highly encourage people to check out your latest book. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, They have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. 
and we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.